Welcome to the X Factor Roping Podcast. Our goal is to give you the knowledge and tools to get the most out of what you love to do. I'm Pace Freed, the owner of XFactorRoping.com and your host. We want to bring you the best content possible and it would mean so much to us if you would continue to sign up and support XFactorRoping.com. Thank you for listening. We're here with a, a great guy, George McQuain. Uh, George oversees all the rope production at Equibrand and as well George Ropes and I mean he's very well accomplished and has had some huge wins uh, in the roping arena and just got a really cool story to tell so pretty excited to get to to get into it today. Uh, George you know what I'd like to start off with is you know where you kind of came from and grew up I, I've been around there a lot uh, can you kind of describe what growing up in, in Big Piney Wyoming was like for you? Uh, cold. <laughs> it uh, no, it's it's a great place to grow up. It was you know small town, um, just population of thousand there. But uh, went to school there, grew up there. Um, ended up going to Central Wyoming College in Riverton, and then uh, ended up going to Laramie after that. Uh, but yeah, I didn't realize how cold it was. I left there. You know, it's it's pretty chilly. But uh, when I was in college, um, I met the guy that uh, was running around the ropes at that point in time. Yeah, right. jackpots, and so. I had actually been going to those jackpots, met him, and I knew I graduated, and he uh, asked me what I was doing. I said, well, I just graduated, you know, looking for a job now, and he ended up locking me a job, and uh, I never thought that, you know, here, all these years later, I'm, I'm in the rope business, but uh, I ended up going to work for him, and uh, was there for, I think it was maybe two years, and then uh, Echo Bram bought me the ropes out, and that's how I ended up down here. Right. And uh, growing up in Big Piney, I mean, y y there's a thousand people that live there, but there's probably only a thousand people that live within a couple hours of there. I mean, there, there's not much close to No, uh, like a close rope up there. If you have a rope one that's four or five hours away, you're stoked. Because right. I was like, man, that's a close one. You know, we only got to do that five hours a day. Right. We, I remember going eight, nine, ten, twelve hours of roping, and, you know, that's just, you accepted it because that's what it was. And then roping-wise, you know, I'd go to Rock Springs, which is 100 miles away, on Wednesday nights to go practice. Just down there, it'd be 30 degrees, 20 below, whatever. You just drive down there and rope you 15 stairs for 100 miles and drive 100 miles back home. So, uh, Texas is a lot better to rope in than Wyoming. <laughs> a little more roper friendly conditions. Yeah. yeah. So, but no, I, uh, I enjoyed living there and it was a great place to grow up, though. Yeah, definitely. Uh, seems like some pretty good culture down there. Uh, did you guys grow up uh, in a kind of a ranching background or? Uh, my dad actually was worked on ranches until I was probably uh, fifth grade, right. and then uh, he ended up getting in the wolf of that. But we lived in the country all my life, uh, and I had friends that had ranches, and uh, the Espenshides, I was good friends with them, and you know, they had a ranch. I, that's what I wrote with in high school and college, and I was over there a lot too, so I've been around it all my life. Right. I know them guys pretty well. They, they both wrote great. They never miss. Yeah, <laughs> it seems yeah. Like. No, they're, they're pretty handy. And, uh, and did you kind of, and that's when you got going with the ropings and stuff like that. Uh, what, how old were you when you started roping? Actually, I didn't start, I've been around it all my life. I didn't really start actually roping, you know, like a rodeo until I was a junior in high school. Right. Uh, uh, just 16 years old, I started competitive roping um, and then just went from there. But I just kind of rode horse all my life. I 4 aged and horse showed and all that kind of stuff. But the roping didn't start until I was 16. Right. And uh, you got a job at Rattler. Where were they located at? Vernal, Utah. Vernal, Utah. And uh, what were you doing at Rattler? Uh, when I went to Rattler, I was basically uh, doing whatever they, you know, I was just a rope tire. I tie ropes and back knots and sew burners. Uh, There's a guy named Rex Anderson there. And 
super good guy and he showed me a lot and he's a he was just a great friend and showed me a lot of stuff that I learned now and uh, I did a little bit of everything and then when I left there I was helping him out do some more quality control and some different stuff like that so right just kind of working your way up and and then when Equibrand bought Rattler out you're kind of I went back to the bottom <laughs> I was just uh, I ended up uh, they did things a lot different than we did at Rattler which is their way was obviously a little better than the way we did things back then we were but uh yeah, I started sewing burners and rolling ropes when I first came down here, and I did that for, I don't know, a few years. And then uh, I got into shipping, and I worked there for a while, and I've just kind of gradually, you know, changed positions as the longer I've been here. Uh, I think I started marking ropes and kind of doing what I'm doing now. I'm not exactly sure on the date, but it's around 2002, 2003, somewhere in that area. Right. What was the first ropes that you were kind of tying at Rattler? Can you kind of tell me what those felt oh, like? Oh, yeah. We had, uh, and probably most people won't recognize these names, there was a purple python, and uh, <laughs> we had the, the ones probably most people know, we had the crossbred, the diamondback. I remember Walt Woodard using the diamondback, and I think, hey, Matt Tyler might use the crossbred. We had yeah. the rainbow. I remember the rainbow. So uh, that was the main ropes we had back then. And the, I think we had a venom, which was an all-nylon rope, but we put those little tails in the back of them, I don't remember those. Oh yeah, I, I remember it hurt that. they whacked you. <laughs> yeah. And uh, was it a rainbow kids rope too that you yep. guys made? I remember that's yep. what I was roping the dummies with when I was very, very young. But yeah. And all the ropes were three strands. I mean, yep. usually a, a big, like a, almost like a cable is what. Yeah, I mean, you know, back then it was the 716, it was just kind of made now, but still the three full was probably the most popular rope back then. Right. Uh, you know, um, steers were still bigger and there wasn't a, the USRC had just started and uh, you know everything was still I don't know up north anymore I haven't been there a while but you know, everything up there was so much bigger than when I moved down here as far as they just used them for quite a lot longer I think so right bigger ropes were more popular and it's changed since then, I guess. Well, it's been cool too. You were just telling me earlier you've been at Equibrand now for over 20 years, and and all aspects of the business. And you know, then we get talking to uh, Billy Bray, and she's like, "Yeah, George he comes in first thing in the morning. He's filling the ropes, making sure that everything is the right lay. You know, first one in here, and it, it's cool to see that. At you know, at this point, you how passionate you are about it, and, and just kind of." where this industry has gone. I mean, you've been with it essentially, been involved in the rope business from the very beginning, I would say, of uh, kind of the rope production as it was becoming competitive with the, you know, the emergence of the USTRC and, and as it's grown. So it's been kind of cool to, you've been, you know, every aspect of it. Yeah, it's, it's been a fun ride. I mean, like, I really do enjoy my job and I, I do feel like, you know, this is a reflection on me and the company and I want to, you know, make everybody proud and I want to do a good job for myself. And, but I will say, I mean, that being said, I have the best group of guys to work with. Uh, Dallas Clay, like I said, he helps run this place with me and he does all the raw material side and the rope maker side. And, um, without them and all my employees, you know, it, I couldn't have done anything I had done, you know, so they, they're all a big part of this. We're all a big team and it's, uh, we all work together well and it makes it, makes it easy. Right, and, and two, you know, there's, there's so much more to it than just tying ropes. I mean, you were telling me today, uh, how many do you guys tie per day? Um, you know, it fluctuates times of the year, but, uh, you know, we anywhere from 1,200 to 1,800 a day. Right, yeah. and try to, and you guys can manage it to where 
that way they're coming out in season and they've got you've got it timed out to where you're getting fresh ropes out to your dealers at all times and you're not you know you've got a real consistent and good fresh feel with your ropes right yeah yeah we try to keep everything fresh and current like i said we don't like stockpiling and you know it uh we want our customer to have the best product and you know ropes are expensive these days and it obviously it's a great hobby and it pays a lot now you know the way the world series has changed but still it's you know you want your customer to have a good product and last a long time so we try to do the best we can to make sure everything's as good as we can be right and uh you know one of the game changers in the in roping has been the four strand rope and when you guys are obviously came out with the four strand with the core all of it can you kind of take me through what that process of as that was kind of leading up and what kind of got the ideas and what the ropes were feeling like at that time? Um, yeah, that was, a, a, I still remember, it was, I think, in 99, we introduced it to Vegas, if I remember right. And it was just crazy because it was, a, you know, the first thing of its kind. And uh, I remember, actually, I was, I was still here in Granbury and I had to take our sales orders because they didn't have people. They went to Vegas and the phone was just going nuts, you know, and, and uh, Roping wise, I looking back now at that rope and obviously it's extra for true and it's you know it's a pretty big heavy rope. But at that point in time that's where ropes were at. But uh, it was just it was really exciting to see everybody feel them and and to see the looks on their face because it's something totally new that nobody's had before. So that right. was and it's kinda like the one in person with the five strand, the same thing. People swung like, Wow, that's you know, that's something new and exciting and it's it's always makes you feel good and uh, you know, enjoy it when you see people like it and well, excited about it. I mean, the four strand has been a game changer. I mean, I, I don't know if you were to look at times in roping, but I would say from about the time the four strand came about over the next three or four years, it just seems like team roping got faster. And uh, I mean, and I think that reflects to the type of ropes that people are using. Um, you know, we talked about it earlier, how many guys that are at the finals this year are using yeah, uh, classic rope, and I think that that's been just a huge, huge thing is how high quality of the the ropes have been. And you know, I'm sure that there's been a lot of challenges, but I, I kind of I was curious, what was it like when you were first starting to put together the four strand ropes, and was that a pretty tough process to to get where you could retine those? Uh, you know, uh, it was originally. I'll be honest with you, when they first came the four strand. Uh, you know, everybody was just trying to figure it out and this, that, and the other. And, and uh, but once we got it figured out, it was, you know, it was a process at first. But, uh, you know, like everything came together and worked out really well. How long did it take you to test those out before you guys were comfortable? Um, that's been a long time ago, but uh, it, it was, you know, it took us a while to get the machine and stuff and all that was the hardest part, I think. Once we kind of got the machine where we could make the rope, then we could kind of tweak it and it wasn't quite as bad. But the, right. the building process was, I think, it took a little while. Right, kind of the same way for the five strands as you guys are putting them out. Well, the five strand was uh, we were just playing with ideas, and originally that's why you never turned down an idea because I thought five strand that's probably that's probably not going to work, you know. And, and Dallas and another guy named Josh, we, we made some out there, and, and once we felt them, like man, that's you know not bad. And so then we started tweaking it and trying to make it where we think it would work, you know, and then the first person I took it to, Jojo Lamont was with us at that point in time, and I right. drove out there to his house, and he used it, and uh, he loved it, and uh, so we kind of find, had a bunch of different samples, and we fine-tuned what we wanted to have, and the, the first night, I believe, at the finals that year, 
he's rope running at him, and the steer goes right, and he just drops like three coals and hooks him and, and ran him. And they win the round, I think. I remember like, the round. That was just a great night because it's the first night, brand new rope, you know, first night at the NFR, and they did that, and it was, it was that was pretty exciting. Well, and too, that was a really electric team, and yes. just to see him let it rip on like that is yeah. is pretty cool. Yeah. Well, uh, I want to get back to you know a little bit more of your career. You know, you, you've had a very successful roping career as well. You know, you've spent a lot of time. Can you kind of just take me through? Uh, you know, you moved to Texas uh, just out of college, right? A mm-hmm. couple years out of college, and then came down here and roped a bunch, also, right? Yeah, I uh, originally I got a radio scholarship when I was in college. Um, I headed back then, though. Right. And uh, made the college finals my last two years. Um, and then when I moved, I actually started healing a little bit before I moved down here because, as you know up there, if you're not rodeoing all the time, you lose your partners because it's always on Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, you know, and I had to work all week, so I started healing. Right. And uh, ended up moving down here and uh, just started roping more. And uh, it was, I can't explain when I moved down here, but it was, because so much easier to rope down here. I felt like I was on vacation. You know, you could go to a jackpot three days a week. Right. And, uh, but yeah, I got to rope a bunch and I rodeoed some. and. Uh, nothing professionally, you know, down the road or anything, but I did, I was a jackpot guy, so. Right. Well, and, and you know, you get talking about being a jackpot guy. Uh, you know, I, one of the first, probably one of the bigger wins was at the U.S. Finals two years, three years? Uh, 2014. 14. Take me through that rope and I kind of, you know, leading up to it. And I, that's, I think that's a pretty cool story. Uh, yeah, I, you know. Like everybody else has highs and lows in their roping career, you know, and I'd, I'd been struggling a little bit, but I kind of got a little confidence there for the U.S. Finals, and I had rope pretty much good all, all week there, but just something would happen. I, you know, I slipped a leg on one and this, that, and the other. And, and the funny thing is, uh, I can't, I'm drawing a blank, uh, I know his name and the photography people, but Lone Wolf Photography, he okay. says, uh, I had Barry Smith still to go. And he goes, well, how's it going? I said, well, you know, so far, no luck, but I said, me and Barry, we're fixing to win this track. And right. uh, anyway, she obviously rides that outstanding great horse, and and uh, she we broke three steers and used them really well, and uh, made the short round. I was like, man, I was you know, pretty excited about it. We're coming down the short round, and the steer right before me, he's like getting down. He won't he won't be able to shoot. He keeps his head down on his knees, and they mess with him about three minutes, and finally turn him out. I'm like, oh. It goes over the steers, you know. Okay. And so the next steer goes, I'm sure my steer, he runs out there about medium, they make a pretty good run, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's my steer. <laughs> so here comes my steer, it's a big white steer, and they put him in there and he just starts banging the head gate. He's just you know, hitting the front, I'm like, oh, great. Yeah. But then I'm like, no, you know, just stick to my game plan, do what I've been doing. And uh, I really wasn't nervous, but I was just, it had crossed my mind. Right. And Barry did a great job getting out, and I just really didn't think about anything, just kept doing what I was doing. And, we roped him. We were about three quarters on the pin. We had to be like a seven something, and I didn't think we were that fast because we were down there a ways, and uh, we ended up being like three tenths faster than we had to be to go to the lead. And we went to the lead, and I think the high team back. I'm, I'm not sure if they caught him or what, but and we ended up winning it. And right. It was outstanding feeling. Yeah. Won the trucks. Uh, yeah. Was it- we won the well. We there's a truck and a tractor. Right. right. So we had to have a rope off. And uh, of course, this is like at 10 o'clock at night. So instead of doing a, trying to find partners, what we did was basically flip the coin, but we did by roping. We ran six steers. 
they flipped a coin before we started. One of us was heads, one of us was heels, or odds and evens. Right. And that was a head and tails. So at the end of the open, the top, we were at the fast time on three, either one, three, or six, or, you know, or two, four, or six, I mean, excuse me, or one, three, five, won the truck. Right. And it went back and forth, because I think I legged one, and she had fish one on, and it was like a four and a five, so we were both, we were, was close, anyway, being really close, but I ended up getting the truck, and she had the tractor. That's pretty cool. So, it was fun. And she's the best person to work with, and I, I mean, it was, I had a blast. Right. Still got the truck today, right? I'm still driving the truck, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, you got a problem now, because just, just the other day, this last weekend, you know, you had some pretty good success and, and won another truck and trailer. And this one's a, I, you know, you kind of got telling me the story, and I, I kind of got some better details with it as far as how to elaborate on it. And, man, what I thought was cool... Um, just explain the roping uh, that you went to and like kind of the entry fees and the setup for this roping. Uh, it was a George Strait format at their Decatur the Interest Truck Roping. Um, you rope two the first day and the top 75 come back the second day. And uh, I, didn't my, I had two pick partners that made you draw a partner. And then uh, actually drew another one. But uh, just my, my plot game plan on that roping was just to uh, just catch. You know, I've been, I've been, same thing, back to where I've been struggling for a while and hadn't been roping very good and trying to get back on it. And uh, I've got some help from some of my endorsers, you know, give me some tips and stuff. So basically the first day I just kind of, I was, uh, I think a two 19s and a 17 and nothing. Right. And uh, I made it back with all three people. Yeah. Yep. And then the following day, uh, I liked the first year my, on my partners. I was like, gosh dang, you know. Right. But told myself, just go back to catching what I was doing. And uh, man, that's what I, I caught the rest of my steers the rest of that day. Uh, I think I came by 18th callback, 14th callback, and second. And right. fortunate for me, it was just my day. All my headers caught, all of them broke out. And uh, I always think I was an eight with a one in the short round, and a seven, and a seven, and turned out it kind of fell apart. And uh, I had a great day, so right. very fortunate. Well, you know, George, you, I've heard this a lot from a lot of guys that have get to rope with you, and, and you know, you're just a winner. And it's cool to hear, you know, that mindset that you have, because you were telling me earlier, you know, you, you drew an extra run, but it didn't count for the truck. And you said, well, I'm just gonna keep my runs and not take that extra. You can give it to another healer or whatever, but because you wanted to focus on those runs and just stay focused on your roping. And, yeah. and then you even go back to saying, hey, you know what, I wasn't kind of struggling weeks prior, and you reach out to uh, endorses it. Was it Corey Petska? Yeah, he was a big part of it, yeah. I went and roped with him, and uh, he's helped me a lot. And I went to Walt Woodard's one day and over there at his arena, and they told me stuff, and I picked a lot of it, a lot of them in the brain, so. Right. And that, that's cool to, to hear because, you know, you, I think at every level, if you can get good information and, and kind of, you know, get that good feedback and know what you want to work on, and, and it's just like that translates to, uh, were you nervous at that roping at all? It's, I think it's similar to the truck roping. Once I kind of got going, I just, uh, I feel like you have a good foundation and you're roping, you just, you know, you don't worry about the circumstances. You just worry about what you need to do to catch a steer. And right. that's so easier said than done. I know that. But uh, for some reason that day, I could do that. I just focus on what I feel like I need to comp or work on to catch that steer. And that's all I thought about. And it really worked out to be that day. Right. And so what exactly did you win that day? I won a truck, a trailer, and some money. Perfect. Yeah. Four, and it was a four-steer average? Three. Three-steer average. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. 
Yeah. Uh, well, getting back to working with Equibrand and, and being with these guys, you know, it's, they, I mean, they obviously they put out the best ropes for a long time now. I mean, it's, you can see that by the results and the, you know, who's using them and, right. and just those aspects. What do you think's made this company so unique and kind of? Um, I think a lot of it is everybody that works here is really tied to the industry. You know, Ken and Billy and Craig, we all wrote and, and uh, I think everybody just really wants to succeed and we're, we're tied to it. So it's not like a, a job you're going through that you don't really have any common with. You know, you're just going through the motions. It's something that we live and breathe every day. So I think that helps and uh, obviously just a, I don't know, we've got very much people to work with. You know, we all get along really well. We're like a big family. And, uh, you know, we just, we like to make good stuff, I guess. Right. And, and I would say you're all really competitive, uh, really A type of personalities. Wouldn't Absolutely. you say? We, uh, I mean, I think competition's healthy, but we like to. Right. It's, yeah, we're very definitely competitive. Well, uh, I mean, it's funny because, like, I, I called up on the phone and we were talking about putting all this together and and we just kind of casually got into the conversation about the the patent on the cores coming up and these new rope mm -hmm. companies are going to be putting cores in the rope and no one here is really batted an eye at that I mean they just say the feel of the rope is the most important thing yeah it's you know it's something we can't control anyway it's right. I mean they're going to do it whatever and, and they have their ropes and we have our ropes but in the day it's you know, we have our feel and they have their feel. And not saying one's better than the other, but we're confident in our feel and the way we do things that we will still succeed. Right. And I'm not saying that in an arrogant way, just saying that we feel good about how we do stuff. Well, just being able to embrace essentially the competition of it. Yes, yeah. That's cool. And, uh, you know, you guys have always tried to put out a new rope, uh, you know, every few years, and it's been pretty cool to see. Uh, tell me about getting these, the next ropes out. Uh, the yellow one. Mm -hmm. The actually, the head rope I've had in the bag for a while. Really. Um, uh, Luke Brown had used it. I can probably say this now, but he used it for I can't remember if it was in thirteen or fourteen, or fourteen fifteen. But he used it a couple of years of the finals. Right. It wasn't the color it is now, but um, and we hadn't released it yet because the rope had grown so much and, and our cells had gone so good that I didn't really want to waste it you know does that make sense so uh, we kind of kept it in the bag and then uh, but that same thing I, I designed it to find that niche between you know the, like the spider and the power light light because people like that feel but they want something a little heavier and so we we had that in the bag and I just kind of kept it on hold the hill rope ironically I had made it myself last year for that reason I wanted something a little lighter but still kind of hit like the power line because that shoulder been hurting me a little bit and uh and I got talking to people, I go to my you know, endorsers and just general people, what would you like to see that you know we don't have? And people are like, well, I'd like to have, you know, the pylon, I like the pylon, but it's a little heavy. And so uh, we just tried to, I thought, man, that's a perfect fit. And so uh, anyway, we come up with that and it had a great success at the finals. Uh, the World Series, there's yellow everywhere and we sold a bunch of the booth. And so very rewarding to, you know, when you come up the rope and it does well. Definitely a good rope. I, I would recommend trying them out. I've, I've been using quite a few of them here lately, and I, I enjoy them pretty well, too. Oh, good. Uh, you know, so a couple of years ago, I, I was actually at the rope shop in Granbury, getting ready to go to Vegas. And I was like, man, I should grab some more ropes. And I, for some reason, I didn't. I just grabbed some boots and headed out. And the next day, 
is when the fire had happened or that night. And I was, I was really disappointed and I'm sure not even close to what was going through your guys' I mean, minds at that time. Can you kind of take me through that event? Yeah, uh, that was, I had actually had my phone in the other room that morning and uh, I go in there and get up and I see I have like a zillion missed calls. And it's from Dallas and Craig and I'm like, and Larry who's our maintenance guy. And, I know something's wrong. So I, I call right then. They say, hey, you need to get down here now. The shop's on fire. And so uh, I drive, rush there, and I pull up, and there's just flames coming out there. And I can't explain the, it's like, you're, you know, just my stomach just dropped. Right. It's like, it's, there was no getting it out. Like, we, once they got to the nylon, which is very flammable, it was, it was gone. They just sat there and poured water on the roof, but nobody was going in, nobody. And so it, it burned all day. They had like six fire trucks, big fire trucks there getting right. out. And really we were kind of shocked for where I was. I mean, I can't speak for anybody else, but I was in shock a while because I like, man, that was, I mean, it, we didn't have a screwdriver. I mean, it burned everything we owned down the ground. Right. So, uh, of course, right off the bat, we, you know, start having meetings and find out what we're going to do with the insurance. And, uh, you know, looking back now, it might have been a, May a blessing in disguise. We had we were a little tight on we were actually really tight on space in that building we were in currently. Uh, then we kept adding on, adding on, but it was we had to go around corners and it wasn't designed you know how we wanted it, but uh, still it made awesome ropes and you know we functioned out there every day. Right. And uh, anyway, it was all gone. We we're just like Man, we have to start from scratch and and of course you know there's a, there's a sense of urgency to get back into business and because we're now there's nobody can buy classic rope so they're buying all the competitors rope and so you're trying to get back as soon as you can and it was a very stressful time for sure well and there's more than just the tying ropes i mean doesn't like the humidity in the building and there's so Absolutely. many factors that, that come into play that to get that going is that's a there's a big big curve and and then it's been like I said, or you said a, a blessing in disguise because you look at this place and it is state of the art. I mean, it looks like everything's flowing pretty well for you guys. But uh, uh, take me through the process of what did you guys have to do to get tying ropes again and, and how did that get, you know, when was the first ropes you tied after it burnt down? Um, I'm not exactly sure on the dates, but uh, we had part of our building did not catch on fire. There's a breezeway there. So we had a string machine room that used to be a warehouse. So we added on to that warehouse about 30 feet. We put two rope machines in there and we had to build them from scratch. And uh, we put them in there and we started tying ropes probably, I think in 2016. So it was May, a month and a half, probably before our Memorial Day, I think, I right. remember right. And uh, it was a, Definitely a learning curve. I learned a lot just from we all did, from, you know, start from scratch and trying to uh, rebuild everything. But uh, I believe we, it was, I don't want to say it was Memorial Day that we introduced the heat, was the first one we came back with. Right. We just did the heat only. And then we went to the GT4. And then we just kind of kept adding as we got more long. So then we had the insurance building, another building over here. And we put four more machines over there and just kind of gradually start going again. But, Seems it was like very, it was overwhelming at times, but we made it through it. <laughs> yeah, uh, and did you have a lot to do with like putting the machines together? What was kind of your your details in that? Your job? Uh, I mean, I have a we have a maintenance team that is unbelievable, right? And they had a 
they had the biggest part of putting the machine themselves together. My, I guess, just expertise is once we got them together and I tweak them and make everything feel how I feel like it should feel. Uh, but as far as the manufacturing, I mean, we all jumped in there and welded the stuff and, you know, did a lot of the metal work, stuff like that. But the maintenance guys get most of the credit for that. Right. Larry Gosden, he, he's unbelievable. He's a guy that works for us. And, and Tyler Wright, they did an outstanding job. I mean, four or five months later, you guys are pretty much got ropes going. Yeah, pretty we good got at least one that. going, yeah. Yeah. So. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I think, George, that's, that's kind of what I was wanting to cover with you. I think that's a really cool, pretty cool aspect about how, you know, Classic and Echo Brand has what type of community they have within here and what type of team they put together. You know, it's really cool and it's it's cool to see you at the front of it because you talk to lots of in, endorsees and it's, you're the man and, and you're telling me, you know, you, you've done every job essentially with this company uh, within the rope, kind of the, the rope production end of it. Now you're kind of, you tie the ropes for the, the endorsees and, the, you know, your main guys and that's mm -hmm. pretty cool. Well, thank you. You know, and like I said earlier, you know, our, our turnover rate here is very minimal. So we have the same guys that tie the same ropes, and I think that helps our product too. That you know, we're not switching people in and out. It's, it's, it's a definitely a unique trade, and it's nice to have people that you know are doing it the same. Same people are doing it all the time, so it helps out a bunch too. Right. I mean, there's there's so many factors, right, in tying ropes from. Yeah, I don't think people realize the amount of people that touch a rope. I mean, they are you know forty two dollars or whatever the store is charging, but I mean by the time the rope starts from our raw material process to the time it's finished, there's probably 10 or 11 guys that touch that rope. Right. So when you look at it that way, you know, that's a lot of people that had something to do with it. So Yeah, absolutely. And, and of course, every process can factor it. So, you know. And there's all kinds of styles as far as like coiling them up and, and just how people go about it. I mean, there's, there's a lot into it. And there having, is. having it down to where you can be consistent, and that's that's cool to see you out here checking ropes and, and doing it every day like that, making sure that you guys are putting out a product like that. Yeah, thank you. 